Okay, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about disgust because sometimes on the path and the practice, we feel like we shouldn't have strong emotions. We shouldn't have emotions. We should be above it all. That actually isn't very realistic, is it? Um, And there are some feelings like anger, for example, that the Buddha cautions us about again and again. Um, it's, It's never the fact that we should feel bad about what we feel because we feeling comes up from old things, karma from the past. I don't, I don't even mean that you necessarily did anything in the past to directly create it, but you know, we get angry about things because of things that have happened before. If it was something brand new and fresh, we probably wouldn't have anger around it. But it's it's all related to the things from the past, and I'm I'm really I've come to to believe that we shouldn't feel bad at all about whatever arises in the mind like that out of you know nowhere or due to whatever the conditions are at the time feelings arise, and it's only when we act on these things that it really becomes a new issue. So with anger, the Buddha really encourages us to turn towards the feeling, use mindfulness, use discernment, stay present with it, allow it to pass away, and then deal with whatever the situation is. So there are some emotions that we really want to just be present with and recognize that they are um, afflictive. It's really suffering. But then there are other things that we might feel that are actually very helpful. And one of them is disgust. And it's interesting because you can look at disgust and say, well, isn't that aversion? Shouldn't I be kind of like um, keeping that in the box? <laughs> but the Buddha talked a fair bit about disgust in a positive way. And I, I'll give you some examples. If you look at the middle-length discourses in Sutta number five, it's called Without Blemishes. There's a part where the Buddha talks about uh, what a blemish means. He says it's a term for fears of bad, unskillful wishes. He says, suppose these fears of bad, unskillful wishes are seen and heard to be not given up by a mendicant. So you've got some monastic who has bad, unskillful wishes, and they haven't given that up. And even though they dwell in the wilderness in remote lodgings and eat only alms food and wander indiscriminately for alms food, wear rag robes and wear shabby robes. So this is all the stuff, you know, like the austere stuff that's supposed to be, you know, really top-notch mendicant living, right, in terms of austerity. Their spiritual companions don't honor, respect, revere, and venerate them. They're not respected. Why? Because they haven't given up these bad, unskillful wishes. Maybe they want to be more important than someone else. They want to get better alms food than someone else or whatever other wishes they might have. And then the Buddha uses this 
facsimile. So suppose a bronze dish was brought from a shop or a smithy clean and bright, and the owners were to prepare it with the carcass of a snake or a dog or a human, and and basically put this carcass into this dish and cover it with a bronze lid and parade through the marketplace. When people saw it, they'd say, oh, what is that you're carrying like a precious treasure? And then they open it up and then they look inside. And as soon as they see what's inside, they're filled with loathing, revulsion, and disgust. Not even those who are hungry would want to eat, let alone somebody who has eaten. So you get that direct kind of feeling, right? It's in your gut. It's like, ugh. This kind of disgust is is what the Buddha said we have towards unskillful behavior. And then he, he finishes up saying it's in this same way. And when these fears of bad, unskillful wishes are seen and heard to not be given up by a mendicant, their spiritual companions don't honor, respect, revere, and venerate them. And so there there are many other places where the Buddha talks about disgust towards what's unwholesome as a healthy response this is a this is a good response but it it has a little bit different feeling than aversion it doesn't have a stickiness to it that craving or desire has it's just a reaction to something really ugly really unhealthy really unwholesome The Buddha talks about how we can have this disgust for some of our own thoughts, and it's and it's actually a useful. So in the um, in the removal of distracting thoughts sutta, so that's number twenty in the middle length discourses. He says, you know, he's giving these different methods for how to remove these thoughts that you, you know, that are in, intruding in meditation. And he says if if you try the uh, the approach to replace an unwholesome or a, a bothersome thought with a with a thought about something wholesome, and that doesn't like free your mind from this unwholesome thought thinking, then he said you can um, just reflect on the danger of this unwholesome thought. He said um, if these these are thoughts, these kinds of thoughts are thoughts connected with desire, with hate, or with delusion. Then you examine the danger of having these thoughts in this way. You say, you think to yourself, these thoughts are unwholesome. They're reprehensible. They result in suffering. And when you examine the danger in those thoughts, then any evil, unwholesome thought connected with desire, hate, and delusion are any of those thoughts are abandoned and subside. And this is, you know, but it's, it's the same word. It's a, the Pali word is jagucha or the verb form is jaguchati. And it's, it means to shun, avoid, loathe, detest, or be disgusted or horrified at something. This disgust with this unwholesomeness and that this actually helps us to let it go 
It's like if if we have a a thought about you know something cruel or harsh or dishonest or something like that, and then we're disgusted by the fact that that thought would arise. Being careful not to get disgusted with ourselves. This is kind of the point. There's a big difference. It's like, ooh, look at that. (laughs) This flash of jealousy comes up and it's like, ooh, look at that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, disgusting. And so then you you don't take that personally. It's just what's coming through. It helps us to let it go. The Buddha also used this this same word when he was giving advice to his son Rahula. Uh, in the it's it's called um, the advice at Ambalatika. It's Sutta number sixty one, and you might remember this one. It's quite precious. And the commentary tells us that Rahula was about seven years old at the time, and the Buddha was explaining to him that when you when you want to do something think about whether it's going to hurt anyone or if it's going to hurt yourself and then don't do it if you think it's going to hurt someone don't do it but if you think it's going to not hurt anyone not hurt yourself then you can do it but while you're doing it you reflect again is this hurting anybody is this hurting myself and then if it is you stop or if it's not, you do it, but then afterwards you reflect again. Did this harm anyone? Did this harm me? And if it did, then, you know, go to one of your companions in the holy life and confess it, talk about it, and then decide you're never going to do that again. It's very simple, right? It really, it really fits. You know, if you're seven, you can take that in. If you're 70, if you're whatever age, right? We can, we can learn from that. That's a beautiful way to think, to approach our, our behaviors. And then he said the same thing about verbal actions, you know, speech. And then he talked about what comes up in the mind, mental actions, especially the, these are the ones you give energy to. You're thinking something, you know, the first thought of, jealousy or cruelty or something is is that one that you can just say wow look at that where'd that come from okay we're not going there but what if we do decide to think it so the buddha is actually talking about mental action volitional action so he's telling little rahula so you you can decide what to think whether you're going to pursue this or not, this thought. You think, is this is thinking about this going to hurt me or hurt anyone else? You know, the Buddha really was clear that everything we do and say comes from thought. So the, the suffering starts with the thought and the harm starts with the thought. So he wanted Rahula to reflect on, will this hurt anybody? Etc. Just like he said with action, bodily action and speech. But when it came to reflecting after thinking about it and realizing, yes, that actually was harmful. He didn't say go confess it because we don't tend to, we don't confess thoughts to each other. But he said, let me read it here. 
He said, then you should be repelled, humiliated, and disgusted by this thinking. And having become repelled, humiliated, and disgusted by this thinking, then you make the determination you're not going to think, think like that again. And it's really, um, it's really useful. So disgust is useful in this regard. The Buddha also talked quite a bit about um, <clears throat> having sometimes it's in Pali, it's hiriyotapa, having hiri, which is a fear of wrongdoing. Or I mean, the I'm sorry, having hiri, which is the the feeling of of shame or the conscience around doing something wrong. And then the other word is otapa, which is is a fear can be translated as a fear of wrongdoing. It's more about the fear of consequences or how the action in the world is going to be problematic. <clears throat> but in this too, if you look at that word, hiri, that sometimes it's translated as moral shame. Uh, shame is doesn't play very well. It, it kind of brings up all kinds of other things. So Bhante Sujato has started just translating it as conscience. But when you look at the the definition of it, it's it's disgust. It's disgust for bodily and verbal misconduct. It's disgust for breaking precepts. So this is, these are um, the wholesome uses of disgust. But now in Sutta number 102 in the Middle Length Discourses, where the Buddha is, is talking about different kinds of speculative views about the future, the past, and also misunderstandings or misconceptions of Nibbana. At one point he talks about those who believe that when we die, we're annihilated. So the text says the Tathagata understands that those good recluses and Brahmins who describe the annihilation, destruction, and extermination of an existing being at death through fear of identity and disgust with identity keep running and circling around that same identity. Just as a dog bound by a leash tied to a firm post or pillar keeps on running and circling around the same post or pillar. So too, these good recluses and Brahmins, through fear of identity and disgust with identity, come running and circling around that same identity. That is conditioned and growth. And there is cessation, but there, but there is cessation of formation. So this is what the Buddha discovered. All things do come to a stop. They cease. And having known this, you can see the escape from, from samsara, from going round and round. So here he's using, he's talking about disgust, but it's disgust of having an identity, the disgust we might feel of having a sense of self and how it can lead to this idea that, oh, we're, 
were just annihilated in the end. And the Buddha was, was clear. He experienced that that wasn't the case. Is it, this is this, this fear and disgust of identity in this case leads to craving, to not craving for non-being. Vibhavatanha. And it's, it's, it's clear then it's like, um, it depends on what we're disgusted with, doesn't it? And how being disgusted with something in this way creates attachment. And the last thing I want to point out about disgust is is the way it's used when the Buddha talks about Nibbida. So Nibbida is one of the words that can be translated in a variety of ways and disgust being one of them. So it could be weariness. This disgust is disgust with the worldly life tedium, aversion, indifference, disenchantment. A lot of us like disenchantment. The way of seeing the world that keeps us from craving it, from from wanting or wanting to get rid of. And so we often see this word, and it may be translated as disgust <coughs> in this in this list of of words um, where we are looking at disenchantment, dispassion, the destruction of the the ego or the cessation, the perfection of wisdom, nibbana. So like in the simile of the snake, and that's number twenty two in the middle length discourses. The Buddha says, you should truly, you should truly see any kind of form at all, past, future, or present, internal or external, coarse or fine, inferior or superior, far or near, all form with right understanding. This is not mine. I'm not this. This is not myself. You should truly see any kind of feeling, perception, Mental activity, um, Bhante Sajjata calls it choices, consciousness at all, any of these at all, past, future, or present, internal or external, coarse or fine, inferior or superior, far or near, all of them with right understanding. This is not mine. I am not this. This is not myself. And seeing this, you'll become disillusioned or disgusted or disenchanted with form, feeling, perception, choices, and consciousness. And those are beautiful Pali words. This is the Nibbida for all of these, um, these five aggregates or khandas. And being disillusioned, desire fades away. And when desire fades away, you're freed. When you're freed, you know you're freed. And these are, you know, this is the, the Nibbida, Viraga, Vimuti. 
And sometimes the way the Buddha puts it is, there's disillusion, dispassion, cessation, peace, insight, awakening, and Nibbana. And these are these those things which lead to that series of experience are the things the Buddha taught, and he left everything else aside. So he wants us, he encourages us to allow that experience, that feeling of disgust for what is not wholesome or helpful to arise. And then, you know, let go. Not become averse, not become holier than thou, but to just let go. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.